shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, by the little clock on the wall, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero. And without further ado, he's here all the time with me, like my guardian angel, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, man. How are you? Good, man. I mean, you are, man. You're like my You're shadow, like angel. Peter Pan, my shadow. That's right. I'm capital, man. Everything's everything's going swimmingly. I know, especially with all that flooding that's going on down oh, there. Oh huh? my God! Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've, I've been seeing animals pairing up two by two. So you know that's trouble, man. They somebody said to me yesterday, it's raining cats and dogs, and they just stepped in a poodle. So I don't know what that means, <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and bring the listeners some news, man. You got a first story for us? Yeah, I've got a I've got a heartwarming, inspirational tale. My uh. My story is a feel-good story um, about a paramedic named Noah Filer, who was uh, an EMT with Duran Fire Department uh, since 2007 and entered a Swedish American Hospital's uh, paramedic program in August 2011. And shortly before he was due to graduate, um, got into a severe motorcycle accident and suffered a uh, TBI. Uh, and two amputations, amputated his uh, one arm and one leg, wound up being in a coma for four weeks, and woke up and decided, you know, uh, first of all, where the heck are my arm and leg? And once told, um, didn't let that stop him, and he went on and, and graduated and tested for his paramedic, and now he is a paramedic. I think this is his cool a story uh as you can find and it's one i'm probably going to post up uh on the learning management system for my emt class uh for all the people who, who give me weak excuses on why they couldn't do their homework <laughs> yeah, that's 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 good man but uh, like, oh yeah the dog ate my homework my kid had the colic and yeah yeah this guy had two amputations and a tbi and finished you know, it's you know, you talk about a feel good story and, and one of the things that I think is really important here is that we come up against hurdles, we come up against obstacles, and and the difference between failure and success is how we deal with these adversities. And you know, nobody I think nobody's life is the perfect life where, you know, everyone is getting everything they want and they're banking the dead presidents and they're living in a mansion and but the thing that I think I get from this story, Kelly, is that there's good and bad in everybody's life and how we decide to deal with it is how we determine the success of that mm -hmm. you know the, whatever that is and uh, you know when you read this and you hear double amputation and you hear that this person was in a, a coma for 4 weeks and you know you, you applaud the the perseverance and the and the persistence to to continue that goal and you know now that he's a paramedic I think that he's an inspiration to uh, all of us and I'd really like to see if we can find this guy and chat with him yeah, yeah, I would love to have him on the show just as a as an inspirational story to others and to hear his hear his tale because uh, it is a, a great one. You know, someone that that's gone through the the hardships and and challenges that he has uh, and gone on and, and finished his goal. That's uh, that's the kind of people we need uh, in EMS. You know, we we talk about positive role models, and you know, he, he is an excellent. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, you can't be the only positive role model in EMS. And I think, Kelly Grayson, you now have to move over. And Noah Fila is now <laughs> taking a spot up there when it comes to 
being uh, an inspiration for our well, career. Well, sometimes I'm, I'm more cautionary tale than I am role model. I appreciate <laughs> right. that, man. I'll give you role model. Right? You're my role model about that. But oh, you're so, that's so sweet of you, Chris. You know, Kelly, you know, my story, and I don't know, I don't know how, if I should bring it up or not, but everybody's talking about it. And, and you know, we always talk about that this show is two paramedics sitting in a truck talking mm-hmm. about the news of the day and, and things that go on in EMS. Well, my story comes out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and a boy is rescued after a gorilla is shot at the zoo. And I got to tell you, I think we've all seen the the video of this where this boy falls falls into the moat. And this gorilla um, looks like he's trying to nurture, looks like he's trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, to save this kid and and try to give a little bit of comfort. And, of course, he does what a gorilla does. You know, he grabs him by his arm, he grabs him by his leg, and he he drags him around. Uh, You know, even at one point, you know, it looks like... that there's a touching moment where you know the kid reaches up and touches his hand and they make eye contact and of course you know the the cincinnati zoo makes the determination that you know for the safety of the boy because nobody knows what's going to happen um they went ahead and uh, shot the gorilla and of course uh you know put him down and you know i really don't know how i feel about it you know i think that you know do do we try to you know let things weigh out and see how they're going to play i mean there were other instances in our past where a, a child fell into a, a gorilla um, you know pen and and the gorilla actually carried the boy to the you know to the um yeah out of uh, the moat you know the caregivers the, yeah. you know actually brought them there and so i mean do you wait and see what happens or do you say you know what it's not worth the risk and i think that we have to make this decision you know to put this gorilla down and uh, that everybody's up in arms about this story yeah yeah and there were some some animal trainers and and zookeepers and animal behaviors who were pointing out some of the uh some of the uh, actions of the gorilla that were a, a bit worrisome um uh, the way he was he was uh, acting toward uh not Im- immediately in the stuff that made the video but uh um you know other actions he did were were showing that he was he was uh, a little stressed and starting to act a little aggressive um i th- i think the zookeepers made the right choice and it was obviously a horrible choice to have to make uh but they made the right one you know the the sense i get from reading this this whole kerfluffle uh is is how stupid social media makes all of us you know because you've got you've got the stupid on one side saying you know gorilla lives matter and you didn't have to kill him and 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 you know excoriating this this child's mother uh for not watching him well enough you know one of the more popular memes was right, the right, picture of a that. silverback you know I, I don't know why they shot me i was doing a better job taking care of the kid than his mother was hey what do you think is, about that how do you feel about the you know because that was a big component of this story that uh you know i did see the same uh, uh graphic that you just yeah. mentioned but do you think the mother is to blame here no i, I don't you know i hesitate to judge uh I think it's real easy to to um, judge someone else's parenting skills when you weren't there. Uh, it's it's kind of like being the the mon- armchair quarterback in EMS. Everybody's an expert about somebody else's call, uh, and everybody knows how to parent your kid better than you do. Um, and, and that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, raise your hand if you had a toddler who didn't get away from you at one point or another. Right. You know, I, I always used to just deplore the people that would let their, their infants roll off the bed. Uh, and then I had a three-week-old daughter with cerebral palsy who was not supposed to be able to move 
that vigorously who rolled off the bed and oh, busted yeah. a, uh, you know, and, and got two black eyes from it. Had to, <laughs> to tote her around showing, uh, showing <laughs> off those, those uh, beautiful shiners. Yeah, yeah. Daddy let her roll off the bed. Uh, when I was a toddler, uh, my parents had me in, in Sears, and I got away from my mother. And when they found me, I was—I had just been potty trained, and I was sitting on a display toilet at Sears, <laughs> grunting up a surprise for them. That is awesome. And <laughs> why am I not surprised yeah, by that? And, and what do you say That's to right. your child who has just been potty trained? That's right. Because he pooped on the toilet. You have to make a big deal out of it and tell him what a what a good boy it is and how proud you are of him and then you whisk him carefully out of the store and <laughs> never show your face there again That's right. well that was me um and I, had i been at a zoo i might have well have fallen into a gorilla enclosure um so i'm glad that didn't happen i, I hesitate to judge the the uh the mother um and i wouldn't have wanted to be in the the uh situation the zookeepers were in but i think they made the right decision it's not something you can tranquilize a uh a wild animal especially a 400 pound silverback gorilla and expect to do it reliably um and and immediately it takes time to kick in and in the meantime there he's in close proximity to a child while the, the gorilla is frightened and in pain so yeah. Exactly. Yeah, not a not a real good thing there. It's just a tragedy all the way around. It is, you know, it really is just a shame so. that uh, you know this had to happen, and you know, but people are losing their freaking minds over this story, man. It's just crazy. It is. So and what what else you got for us? I've got another one for you, and 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 I can't resist. I know this is not strictly EMS, but this this came in on uh, on the EMS one newswire. Two cyclists injured when jumped by. I cancer. saw that. So someone has came close. To, to topping my ostrich story. Um, <laughs> the best part of the story is when one woman who says that her, her ruptured breast implants uh, served as airbags to cushion the impact. Oh, my gosh. And, and I'll, I'll say this to the editors of EMS One uh, in, in all seriousness. This post is useless without pictures. That's right. <laughs> oh, there, there is a picture too. without pictures. That's right. If you do go to to you know the uh, the thirty first of uh, May at six forty five in the morning, there is a picture. But I saw this and I got oh, a little chuckle out of it. A, chuckle out of it as well. I mean, how close do you have to get to a kangaroo? I mean, we've got to worry about carjackers. We got to worry about, and now we got to worry about uh, drive by kangaroo uh, assaults. And uh, it was just really kind of. Uh, uh, you know, humorous, but I mean, how scary would this be, man? Yeah, yeah, and you know, those kangaroos can kill you. You know, they are—they're uh, bottom line, they're wild animals, and they're very powerful, uh, kicking with those back feet. So, um, I know we we see them on, on movies and cartoons as boxing kangaroos, but they can do some serious, serious damage. So, I'm glad both the people were, uh, both the ladies were, were only only suffered minor injuries and will will heal uh seems like they've taken the encounter in, in pretty good spirits but uh yeah two can you know so just goes to show that that all good stories you know <laughs> uh, a really good story never begins with so there i was eating a salad you know? that's right it's, it's something like you know so they were riding our bikes and then this kangaroo, kangaroo jumped, jumped out and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is a good, that is a good, uh, going to be a good setup of a story. But, you know, I just want to touch on this. You know, I think we're getting a little bit too comfortable with dealing with wild animals. I mean, did you see the story? Yeah. And this one really enraged me when I heard it. 
of people that were up in, uh, you know, whether it was Yosemite or Yellowstone Park. Yeah. And they came across a baby bison who they thought was uh, freezing. So what do they do? I mean, the Good Samaritans, they go over there and pick the bison up and put it in the back of their vehicle and carry it off to the, you know, to the ranger station and... And, uh, and then the bison rejected the, the... Then the mother bison rejected the baby, and they had to euthanize the baby. And I think we've got we've to really respect our boundaries of you know, wildlife and not put ourselves in the positions to interfere with you know, their uh, way of living. And uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know, falling into the gorilla moat, whether it's you know, being assaulted by a, 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 a kangaroo... <laughs> <laughs> whether it's you know picking up a bison and thinking we're doing a good deed we really got to stop and think about um that's not our area of expertise and we really should just leave it alone it, it reminds me of the uh of the the meme uh that they they lifted from um from bringing out the dead you know where john john goodman's wheeling in a patient you know and they ask what happened in shark attack on the highway <laughs> you know, so, that's right. so, and so oh, it's just you know kangaroo attack on the bike trail um you'd love to to be able to give that handoff report it's a dual uh it's a uh, multi-victim kangaroo attack (laughs) yeah so So let me give you mine um this one comes out again from the 31st of may it's uh, fda approves first long-lasting implant for opioid dependence treatment and and one of the things that you know we see a lot and we talk you and i have talked about people uh heroin overdose and you know the narcan issue and we're not doing enough in our society to help the people that are addicted to painkillers that are addicted to heroin and and one of the things that you know, we really have to understand is when you go to get painkillers, you're only supposed to be on painkillers for three to five days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, dependency is going to happen, um, you know, if you start to go on beyond that. And we know people, I know people that have been on painkillers for years mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, they need them to get through their day and, and, you know, they're using them, you know, like they're candy. And uh, we really have to do something now that I think is going to make a difference. And and I don't really know. I, I don't really know enough about this uh, uh, FT, FDA approved uh, implant. And Kelly, maybe you do as well. But I got to say that maybe this is a good start. Yeah, um, opioid dependency and, and and prescription drug dependency is is a major problem in our country, and it's one that doesn't get its its just uh, uh, its just due because. Uh, you know, we look at things like the the heroin epidemic and and methamphetamine and illicit drug use as being a, a a huge public health problem. But I would say that prescription drug abuse is far, far more extensive, and it's socially kind of you know ignored because uh, both by the the people who encounter it and the people who are addicted because they you know these are these are my medicines i need these they were prescribed by a doctor uh and and all the signs of abuse and and addiction are ignored or justified because it's a it's a prescription medication i sympathize with people uh who are addicted to prescription narcotics i, I don't think anyone sets out to become a drug addict uh, and and often these people were dealing with legitimate medical issues uh, that required 
you know, narcotic analgesics and, and got addicted through no fault of their own. Right. And, and if we've got something like, you know, the, this new product, Probufine, it's a, a buprenorphine implant uh, that will give them low-dose uh, levels of uh, buprenorphine for six months, um, you know, and help them wean wean them off of other more addictive drugs and then more power to them and 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 uh hopefully this will will you know make some steps towards stemming the prescription drug abuse epidemic in in this country you know poisoning uh and overdose is is the biggest killer in america today this biggest cause of traumatic death in the united states even higher than gun death and higher than motor vehicle accidents uh um, and uh, that's that's a public health issue that has long been ignored or swept under the rug. Um, and I'm glad that people are, are working on, on a, a fix for it or, or some type of substantive action to reduce the, the dependency. Yeah, and one of the things to think about, and I agree with you 100%, Kelly, and, and hopefully this does start a path of, uh, you know, like you said, weaning people off those, uh, you know, prescription drugs. But one of the things that I think we don't use well enough as a society and as as EMS providers, we need to be able to help our patients understand mm-hmm. about going to pain clinics. And, you know, chronic pain clinics that are out there are usually staffed by anesthesiologists mm-hmm. and they have methods and they have ways to help people who are in chronic pain deal with them with yeah. not necessarily using uh, oral uh, oral painkillers. And, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine that had uh, a very, very bad uh, back injury, uh, was uh, in an accident, had some bulging discs. Um, and they wound up putting a little implant uh, in his uh, hip that gave him whatever it was that gave him, which now he was able to walk. And now he was able to deal with mm-hmm. his, you know, play with his kids and, and help his wife around the house where he wasn't able to do that for the, you know, six months. Yeah, back. exactly. So, but I don't think that we utilize that resource well enough. I think we're happy to go to our PCP. We're happy to get a 30, uh, you know, tablet prescription of uh, hydrocodone. And uh, we're going to go on our merry way. But if we have chronic pain, we really need to start to think about getting with the experts uh, to maybe get something other than some oral opiates and uh, help in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I the the prescription pain med or the the pain clinic uh, problem is is pretty rampant here in in Southwest Louisiana and in the Golden Triangle. You've uh, that's that's pain management uh, central. Uh, here in southeast Texas and southwest Louisiana, there's a there's a pill mill, a shady one, uh, just about on every corner, and you can, you know, go to the go to one of these places and and with your prescription written on loose leaf notebook paper and crayon and walk away with a 90 day supply of Xanax, Soma, and, and uh, um, uh, hydrocodone. Right. Uh, it's ridiculous, and and they're finally have started taking some some steps to, you know, to uh, crack down on this I, I just hope the pendulum does not swing too far the other way uh because there are already physicians who are legitimately trying to help their patients and and uh and relieve their pain uh and, and do it in medically appropriate ways who are already being second guessed uh and and accused of uh of of crimes sure. uh, because the, their patients abuse the drugs and there, there's only so much a physician can do to you know to make sure that his patients you know, adhere to the, the treatment regimen and not abuse it. So, 
Um, hey, Kelly, let, let me I, ask you. Yeah. And I know you got one more story, and I don't want to yeah. take up too much time. Where do you stand on the thought of medical marijuana for chronic, chronic pain? I mean, I don't know enough about it. But uh, there are people who are swearing by it. You know, you you're starting to read these stories about how you know the you know the um, the oils are helping kids with seizures. And mm-hmm. do you have a feeling about that? I mean, do you think that it's well, something that we're going to start I'm, to see more of? My my knowledge of marijuana uh, extends to the joint I smoked my high school graduation, uh, and not beyond that. Um, my my sister, on the other hand, uh, was was quite the drug dealer. Well, she's the one I get my stuff from. Back in the day, yeah, she was one of Monroe, Louisiana's more uh, more affluent um, affluent members, affluent uh, marijuana dealers. Um, and, and that, and the fact that uh, I've never been attacked by weedhead, but I've, I've been attacked by plenty of drunks and plenty of people on synthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, raised as a as a white male conservative in the South. Um, I, I've always condemned drug use, and, and, and I thought that you know drug users were a, a lower tier of society we need to do something about. Uh, and and uh, but I'm changing my mind. You know, I, I really uh, and nothing more uh, or nothing more so than the fact that that we are spending enormous amounts of money. Uh, fighting drug abuse uh, and, and fighting the war on drugs, and we've lost it. We've lost it. It's yeah. time to just say we we lose. We quit. We're going to declare an armistice in the war on drugs. And we're going to start putting this money toward more uh, more useful programs. Right. Um, because we are not only incarcerating people uh, at a, a rate far more than the than the rest of developed countries in this world, and it's largely for drug offenses. Um, but we're also eroding our our civil liberties and freedoms just in the name of, of uh, you know drug interdiction, and it's right. ridiculous, and it needs to stop. So, yeah, uh, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have been in favor of marijuana legalization, but now, I, uh, since I tilt far more libertarian than than I. Uh, I used to uh, in my youth. Uh, I think that everybody ought to be able to defend their, you know, a, a gay couple ought to be able to defend their marijuana patch with a fully automatic assault rifle. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but know, I think we're going to start to see more of these as these laws become more, you know, more eased. I think we're going to start seeing. But I just wanted to get your opinion. But I know you got one more story for us. Go ahead and hit us with it. This is a cool one that comes out of Bismarck, North Dakota. And Nancy will be up there uh, in a couple of days. Uh, and, and maybe she can get some more uh, background on this, but emergency dispatchers in Bismarck uh, now can walk, talk, and help save lives because the 911 center there has installed uh, treadmill desks. So while instead of sitting there, they can actually become physically fit yeah, how about uh, and that? get some exercise. Uh, personally, I'd like to see the treadmills. Uh, you know, power the computer systems and and uh, the power in the building. You know, put the dispatchers to work, earning their money. <laughs> That's funny. No, but I think I w- I'm with you 100 percent. Though, what a, what a great my thing. Dispatcher, my dispatcher earns his money without having to uh, generate any power. Via you must be on duty right now. Is that why you're saying on duty right now? Okay. My dispatcher, I love you. Hear that, Lance? Love you, man. Love you. But uh, um, I think this is a uh, this is an excellent idea. And yeah. and and it kind of flies in the face of of the conventional wisdom. I won't call it conventional wisdom. I think it's a weak excuse about uh, 
when agencies refuse to allow uh, workout equipment or exercise equipment at their stations because they're worried about uh, liability. Um, I've never seen that kind of liability uh, uh, attached to uh, fire stations with weight rooms, yet for whatever reason, uh, uh, you find EMS agencies saying, oh, you can't, you can't bring your, your uh, weight bench and your, your dumbbells and stuff up here because we're worried someone will get hurt. Uh, I think it's, uh, that's uh, uh, you know, a pretty weak excuse. Uh, and the 911 dispatch center in Bismarck is, is putting money where their mouth is and, and making sure that they're uh, or giving their, their employees an opportunity to stay physically fit. Uh, I think this dovetails very nicely with Artsia's recent uh, article on obesity yeah, does, and EMS yeah. and getting off the couch and, and that, you know, sitting is the new smoking. Uh, and, and Brian Foss would probably uh, give this uh, two thumbs up as well. So more power to the uh, 911 center there in Bismarck. This is something that should be, uh, should catch on. Uh, and uh, hopefully other people follow their lead. Yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, I've been working uh, for myself as a consultant now. A uh, year was, Mar- uh, in March, it was a year. And one of the challenges I've had, you know, sitting at my home computer is I, I've started to feel a little bit more tighter in my lower back. I've become, I've become more uncomfortable, um, you know, sitting at my desk, you know, for X amount of uh, mm-hmm. hours a day. And I finally went and invested in one of those desks that you can lift up and stand. Yeah, standing and I, desk. Yeah, and I got to tell you, it's, it's by Veradesk if anyone's out there is interested in that. And I got to tell you, it really does help. And, and, you know, I've even started to, you know, kind of move from, you know, my feet almost like uh, uh, walking in place when I'm doing that as well. And I think there's something to be said about this, that if you can get a treadmill and, at, and go at one mile per hour and, and try to help your, uh, um, you know, try to help yourself. I like how you said that sending is the new smoking, because I think that really is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I applaud the folks up there, and I think it's going to set a standard for others to follow. Yeah, and it's uh, that's something that's come into stark relief for me just recently. I I uh, got a very worrisome blood pressure reading at a recent wellness test and was forced to admit that I, I'm no longer fat but fit. I'm just fat. So I uh, I've had to go on antihypertensive medication recently and started uh, started a, a better eating habits and, and a weight loss program kelly grayson and it may be time it may be time for you to put some clothes on set the cheetos down get out of that beanbag chair and make some movement well I, i'm not going to give up the beanbag chair but i'm, I'm moving to diet cheetos oh really light. does that work That'd yeah be okay yeah, yeah no, i think that's fine. actually no, light yeah, beer too light I beer have, i have zero excuse I, i've got a girlfriend who is a trained chef and cooks wonderful food and she could cook wonderful tasty low calorie food uh and i just don't ask her to uh but that has all changed uh all it takes is a blood pressure of 209 over 116 to uh wake you up holy so, moly uh now i'm i'm under control and, it, and it's, it's entirely possible that when i get my weight back under control i'll uh, uh i'll be able to get off antihypertensives but well, how about this? How about That's this? What, that was my wake-up call. It's it's difficult when you have to do this. So when you're ready, why don't you go ahead and make uh, weekly or biweekly check-ins with us, weight-wise, and let's hold let us hold you accountable to that, and let's see if we can help some of the people out there who uh, have the same challenge, and maybe we can uh, make this into a little bit of a, a motivation for everyone. But let's hold you accountable to that and see if we can make you healthier, man. We don't want you going anywhere. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, May the second. 
my my blood pressure was 209 over 116, uh, and my weight was two was 394.6. Yes, I know that's shameful to admit, uh, but as of uh, last week, it was 376.4. Oh, awesome! Good on you, so man. 18 pounds down, and my blood pressure is holding it. 140 over 70 and you know my lipid panel and my sodium and, and all my blood tests were, were fine I don't have to be on any cholesterol drugs everything's good there it's just uh, just some low dose losartan and, and got my blood pressure under control and and uh, working on the, the diet and exercise now so well good yep. on you dude we'll, keep, keep it going in. man we'll, we'll check do in it. each week and we'll figure out what it is alright brother let's go ahead and get up on out of here but hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Would you rather be attacked by a kangaroo or do your work uh, on a treadmill? <laughs> Email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>